Broadcasting from Boss Hog Studios in Hazard County, it's Scott Romine with Guatney Unplugged. Hey, Scott Romine here. I am so excited to talk to one of my best friends today on the show. He is a stuntman, Corey Eubanks. Of course, he started out jumping the General Lee on the Dukes of Hazard when he was just 18 years old, progressed to doubling people like Stallone, Brad Pitt, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and even big stars like Pee Wee Herman. How are you, Corey? I'm doing good, Man. Scott. Thank you for having me on yeah, your show. Yeah, Corey has a big live event coming up called Stunt Stories Live. It's going to be Saturday, July 29th at the Roxy Regional Theater in Clarksville, Tennessee. That's within driving distance uh, of the station you're listening to right now. And uh, the generally, you'll be there for photos. That's going to be awesome, Corey. I'm really excited about it. I got to tell you, it's it's been a long time since I've done a, a, a live, you know, stunt stories live. And I've got a, a whole bunch of new stunt stories. I'm, I'm so excited to share with everybody. How does stunt stories live work? Are you just doing a presentation or are you being interviewed? This will be the first time of the stunt stories live where I'm actually going to be interviewed. And I'm being interviewed by a gentleman named Jeff Bornstein that has known me since I was in junior high. We used to go out and get in trouble together and race the bicycle motocross together and motorcycles. And and uh, actually, Jeff also got into the stunt business himself and has, has worked on quite a few films and TV shows before he went off. He got enlisted in the Army. Um, and that, that kind of put an end to his stunt career. But yeah, he, he's going to be interviewing me and we've got some footage of some of the stunts that I've performed that we're going to show and talk about kind of a behind the scenes and some footage that nobody has ever seen before. That's so cool. Well, some of the things I want to ask you about today on the show, and I'll just start with this because it's all the rave is AI and CGI in movies. Has, has that taken a large chunk of the stunt business yet? Absolutely, it has. The the CGI, the computer-generated images, have really reduced the need for stunt performers on, on a, a huge scale. And so, so many stunts that we used to do back in the day when we were doing the Dukes of Hazard and Midnight Run and, and you know, the movies that, that were uh, before that time where we didn't have the knowledge about, you know, computer generated images and now that they use that so often now they're using the actors just uh in front of a green screen and then they'll superimpose them in front of the action of the the dangerous elements but that's just shot on a different location and then they composite the two together and there's no chance at all of them getting hurt but then also no need for for stunt performers so yeah it, it's had uh, it's put a big dent in in this in the stunt business you know, people are quick to say online, well, that doesn't risk somebody's life and da, 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 da. It's not like we're holding a gun to a stunt guy's head. These people want to be <laughs> stuntmen. Yes. And I thank God that there are actually directors out there still like Michael Bay, who knows all about computer generated images, knows all about, because he has a, a special effects company himself that does visual effects. He wants to do real stunts with real stuntmen using real cars. And there's just a certain, 
you know, the, the realism about it. And a lot of it's unpredictable sometimes and, and just so much more spectacular, I believe, than, than what you see when, when, when some young, uh, young man or young woman is in, a, in a, an office trying to imagine what it might look like in their you know, with their computer and they're, and they're creating some action sequence. They can't even fathom how it would really be when it's done for real. Well, like you rolled the bus in Fast Five, and I think some CGI's come back and said, "Hey, we wouldn't have thought about the insulation coming out of the bus." That is so true. That there was a, a gentleman named Mike Wassel, who was at the time in charge of all visual effects for Universal Studios. And matter of fact, Scott, they were going to do it all CGI, but they needed fifteen weeks in order to create it on a computer. Well, the movie was going to be released in ten weeks. So they thought, well, if we could do it practically and we could build the roll cage, get the bus ready and do all of that in just a, a three-week period, we could shoot this and have it for <clears throat> the release of Fast Five. But after, the after I performed the stunt, I had a conversation with Mike Wassel and we talked about it. And he said, oh, there were so many elements that we never would have thought of. He said, I, we didn't know that there was this insulation between this, the ceiling and the rooftop of this prison bus that once that aluminum got torn apart, it was going to go floating through the air. And it was a great visual. Mm -hmm. He goes, we never would have thought of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, apparently there's even like some kind of a car that can represent any car and some directors won't use it like a cgi something you, you just have the tires exposed or something yes there's a gentleman named Ilya papas who invented this and it's really quite genius if you think of it this vehicle is uh <clears throat> you could increase the width of the wheelbase you can increase the length of the wheelbase you can increase the height of of the suspension so whatever vehicle that you want that to mimic, um, you can set it accordingly. And then it has these, these dots that are all over it, much like a motion capture suit that you see when, when um, stuntmen and stuntwomen are wearing these gray suits with little dots all over them so they can track it with a computer and make that a monster or, a, you know. Sure. Um, they, they could do the same thing with this vehicle. And why they don't is because the rental of it is not, astronomical and the beauty of it and here i'm kind of being a hypocrite because really the beauty of it would be you shoot your whole entire car chase with this vehicle that's um just a cgi car then in post-production you could sit there and say hey let's make it a corvette and, uh, let's make it a bugatti well let's make it a, a, a volkswagen it can make it any vehicle that you want it's really but it's a mystery to me why that they're not really that hasn't taken off they probably use that for Ford truck commercials. <laughs> 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 that way it uh, runs the whole time, you know, <laughs> that's, I shouldn't gosh. say that, but it's funny. Hey, I've always wondered this Corey. you are on some of the biggest movies of all time, all these transformer films and you, you know, the Island, all this stuff you've done. Are you ever working on a movie where you just get the sense this thing ain't going to come out so good. This, this is, this is probably a stinker. <laughs> yes. Yes. How do you was, know? Uh, What's the giveaway? <laughs> well, the giveaway for me was quite e easy. When, I mean, as you mentioned, I've done every single 
Transformers movie. Oh yeah. But when I was on Transformers Seven, uh, oh, and number one, Michael Bay was not directing it. It was the first Transformers movie that he was not directing, and it was some other gentleman. And I could just tell by the way it was being shot, the way the production was going. I'm like, it it lacked the the intensity of the action that Michael Bay puts on on the you know on on the screen and i thought this and it's gonna i'm like this this movie's gonna be a, a flop but but i also thought the same thing when, when i worked on Wee's big adventure though and i thought that tim burton as a director i go he's never gonna make it in hollywood this guy's just a lunatic and and that became one of warner brothers <laughs> most profitable films you know and it's still one of the it's one of my favorite films of all time Wee's big adventure i wish you would have kept the suit or something Oh, I know. You know, I had an opportunity to keep one of the bicycles because I oh. when I jumped the bicycle. Yes, yes, yes. When I, I when I jumped over the fence, and you know that story because I told it to you. But when I jumped over the fence and and overshot the the cardboard boxes that we built the catch pads for me to land in, um, it it destroyed that bicycle. And I remember the guy who we had four of them. And and the guy, the prop guy who owned it, he a- asked me if I wanted it. I said, "No, I don't want that bike." I, I, had uh-huh. I known, I would have, oh, I would have yeah. scooped it up. And but I'll tell you something, Scott. Man, there, there's nothing more humiliating in my 41 years of doing stunts. Nothing's been more humiliating for me than going to the hospital dressed like Pee Wee Herman. Oddly, I've done it's it bad. too. hey hold that thought we're talking with Corey eubanks he's a stunt man he works on all kind of movies did you ever think Corey, the general lee would have the lasting impact on pop culture that it has god no 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 it's blown my mind the that's undoubtedly well in my opinion and i think millions of others that's the most famous uh, picture vehicle that there is. I mean, I, I, you might know more than I about. Did it beat out the Batmobile? Because like, if I had mentioned the Batmobile to my my twins, and and they're they're going to be sixteen years old this month, they don't even know what that is. But they know obviously because you know they they've seen me jump the General Lee and 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 know all about it. But but I think it's the most famous uh, TV movie car uh, picture vehicle in the world. Yeah, it's like you know your age. If you wanted to own Trigger, you know, or what? what yeah, you know, something yeah. like that. You know, it's the same kind of you know, deal. The, and 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 the thing that was so interesting to me too is, you know, we had at one point as many as thirty General Lees on the on the set where we were filming the Dukes of Hazard, and each and every one of those vehicles all had their own characteristics. They were all different, even though they were orange with an O one and a whip antenna and a push bar and a confederate flag they all were completely different from one another even though they're the same year make and model i'm sure some ran better than others yes that's my point yes you know and some had a 383 engine some had a 440 um but yeah some of them just handled better than others and there was this one that was number 26 and what a lot of times people don't know is it because Tommy Cemento, who I know has been on your show, he he was the mechanic in order to tell all of these vehicles apart from one another because they were all identical. He would engrave a little number on the back window on the driver's side. And so you'd have to go up before you climb into a car and take a peek there to see, oh, that's 08 or, oh, that's car number 72. And there was this one car that was number 26, and it was just kind of an, uh, uh, a known rule 
that that car belonged to Al Wyatt Jr. And nobody drove that car other than Alan Wyatt Jr. That's awesome. Now, if you'd have wanted to, could you have worked out a way to buy one of these General Lees back then? Oh my gosh, yes. For nothing, for nothing. <laughs> they wanted to just get rid of them. They <sighs> wanted, and I even thought about it. I remember the conversation that we had and and they were like, yeah, you know, basically, hey, give me 500 bucks and haul them out of here. I mean, it was, yes, the answer is yes. And and had I known what they would, the work, the value that they would have accumulated over the years, I would have scooped up quite a few of them. Well, nobody's <laughs> sitting there thinking, well, you know, there's a five-year-old somewhere that's going to grow up and want to own this thing for $150,000. You just don't think that way. No, uh, uh, if I'd have mm. been smart, I'd have never opened my star Wars figures. I, I could have paid for my house several times over, you know, <laughs> just turn just, and resell them. Yeah. Well, people yeah. just don't think like that. Hey, let me ask you about this. Cause this is so in the news. There's this sag, I guess, writer's strike going on. Has that shut down any production you were working on? The, the answer is yes. And, and even before that, um, I was working on a show in Albuquerque, New Mexico called Duster and, uh, Josh Holloway, the star of, um, lost is the star of this, of this show. And we got shut down from the writer's strike. So the, the writer's strike happened first and that has shut down quite a bit of about 99% of the production in film and television, un unless your show was already written. Like I went and worked on a, a movie even during the writer's strike that was called Twister and uh, about a tornado. I, and, and I was in, in Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, and, and was working on that uh, just a couple weeks ago. But yeah, then the, then the this SAG after a strike came along and now that's my union. And so now I can't go work on anything. So and, what, and I don't know how long it's going to last. What is the like chief complaint and, and does addressing things like this AI become a part of that strike or is that part of the contention? Yeah, it's a huge thing. Uh, the AI, the artificial intelligence, they, they, they want to be able to scan an actor's face and then record their voice. And from my understanding, you could read like 500 words or less than that. And they got all they need, uh, to use you to say any, any sentence, any, any monologue that they want and manipulate your face because they've got you from the profile and head on and the back of your head and, and basically insert you into any kind of a, a scene that they want and having you say whatever, and they don't want to pay you for it. But I, I think what's going to happen is there's going to be some kind of a, a negotiation where you say, okay, um, I'll do that. I don't, I don't, and, 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 and take a certain sum of money. There, I think there could be a win-win for both though. I think, for, but then is the audience going to really get absorbed into a movie uh, or a story plot when they know that that's really not that person doing it? Yeah. It, it's been done a little bit. You know, we had Peter Cushing appear in star Wars rogue one. He's been dead over 20 years. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, but historically, it's not looked 100% real, and now it does look pretty darn good. Um, well, the other thing is that, that and I don't know how far down this rabbit hole you want to go, but I'll just mention it, that there are a lot of actors that <clears throat> I think the reason part of this has come up right now is there, there are a lot of people, 
that are coming out of Hollywood that are going to be accused of uh, child sex trafficking. And they're going to now this is kind of an out for everyone to be able to say, oh, that that wasn't me. I wasn't involved in that. That was my someone took my 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 likeness and my voice and and created that image to make it look like I was really involved in that. So it's going to be very interesting the, the next year or two about how that's going to play out. Yeah, it's just crazy, crazy world we live in. As I understand, like unwritten rules in the stunt business and, and things like you don't take credit or you don't promote yourself. What what are the rules and how did that come to be? Gosh, the rules from the old days have all dissipated. It's sad. I mean, for an example, this is just a, a, a silly little rule. If you had a 6.30 a.m. call to be on set, you had to be there at 6 a.m. You had to be there a half hour ahead of time. You know, it's... You, you also... Um, if your actor is on set doing a scene that you know that in somewhere within that scene, you're going to be doing a stunt, might be a fight, might be a footfall. It's your job to be on set like a hawk, just studying that actor to see, well, how does he or she move? Is she, or is my actor right-handed or left-handed? Where do they pick up the gun? Um, you got to, it's, it's like I had to do this when I, when I first started doubling Pee Wee Herman, I had to study his movements and his mannerisms and, and go, Oh, because I, I knew I had to double him full figure running and he runs a very goofy way. But yeah. <laughs> a, a lot of this, now these, these, these stunt guys, this new generation of stuntmen and stunt women, they don't do that. And now it's time for them to come in and do the stunt for the actor. And they're like, Oh, well, what, what am I, where was I supposed to be? You don't know what prop you're supposed to be holding. Cause you weren't paying attention. You know, you weren't, you don't know if they're right hand or the left hand. It's, it's really, there has to be, um, I think more discipline brought back in, in, in as far as, the, the, the new generation. There's, there's a lot of stunt performers now that, that try to get out of doing stunts. They just want to show up and, and well, well, if we change this and change that and put a pad there, then the actor can just do it themselves. What? And you're like, are you kidding? I know it's mind blowing to me because I used to be the other way around. It'd be, well, wait a minute. If we do this and do that, it's way too dangerous for the actor to do it. And, and, and I should step in and do it. Good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it's the new generation. I I mean, there's a lot of skinny jeans out there and man buns. Yeah, and they don't, just don't don't text while stunting. We'll be right back here yeah. on Watney Unplugged. I'm wondering though, Corey, you've been in all this cool stuff. What are some major movies that maybe you were given the opportunity to work on, and you've turned down and then later regretted it, and why? Well. <clears throat> The one movie I did turn down uh, was the Dukes of Hazard movie, oh, but I really? never later, but I never later later regretted it. Um, I I was I it, it it was a little insulting to me when they I was called and asked if I could come down to Warner Brothers because the the second unit director, a guy named Dan Bradley, wanted to see if I could drive the General Lee. Oh, good grief! And, Oh, honest to God. And I, I'm like, and I didn't, his assistant had called me and asked me and I said, I'm sorry, I don't really understand your question. What do you mean? <laughs> can I, can I drive the general Lee? I, I drove it for four years. I did 87 episodes. I drove it five days a week. 
and I would even go out and, and, and practice driving with, I, yeah, I can drive. Well, they just need to see how you could drive. And I said, well, are you going to pay me to come down for the day or is this like an audition? Oh no, it's an audition. You, you won't be, you won't be compensated. I said, well, I also won't be there cause I'm not going to go. Right. And so they then went and, and, and started the film. They did a couple of jumps uh, on, on the, on the, during the production that they were not happy with. And then Darren Prescott, who's the stunt coordinator called me and said, Hey, I, I know that it didn't work out at the beginning, but we'd really like to have you come out and, and do some, you know, jump. I go, Oh yeah, I, I heard things aren't going well for you guys, but no, my feelings have been hurt. I, I don't care to come work on your movie. Mm. So that's one that I turned down. It was a turd. <laughs> I've performed stunts in over 140 feature films it's it's hard to kind of in over a thousand episodic television shows but i don't i don't know it hey there are some stunts i've been offered that i've just said mm, no that's not my expertise it's like i try to avoid as much as i can um you know pyrotechnics you know and even though i did the movie backdraft where there was more fire and, and pyrotechnics on that than any other film i've done but i try to stay away from uh, fire and i try to stay away from handlebars <laughs> like motorcycle motorcycles. stuff but there's people yeah, that specialize yeah. in that that's their deal that's their thing yeah that's their their what they're known for doing it like me i'm known for uh car stunts you know more, more crashing cars and high speed you know um you know vehicular maneuvers and stuff like that but um yeah motorcycles is not something i'm known for and but every once in a while you get a phone call hey you're a perfect double for this actor can you do this and and i have been a few motorcycle stunts and and actually one of my shoulder injuries that i carry with me to this day was from a motorcycle that i had to do on a on a, uh, a movie of the week called blood ties and uh I, that's when i made the decision i'm not going to do motorcycle stunts anymore yeah you're out on that hey, let me ask but you the indiana jones was, i don't remember i'm pretty sure you told me that a long time it might have slipped your mind because i don't forget things about indiana jones except this last movie but anyway, uh, <laughs> you know, at some point, hang it up, you know, I mean, <laughs> you got your whip hanging on a walker. I mean, what's up? I mean, that's kind of ridiculous, but, uh, it's not very heroic. No, no, it's just not. You know, I saw the new one. He doesn't even have his gun anymore. He still owns the well, hat. That's politically and the incorrect. Is that what it is? I probably, <laughs> I mean, who? that's just goofy. That's like James Bond oh. without his Walther. You just don't do that. You know, <laughs> anyway, what is the fakest part about Hollywood? The, the, um, camaraderie, the friendship, the, uh, Hey buddy, how you doing? Good to see you. How you been? Uh, when you see a, a lot of the, your coworkers that you've worked with, it, it's, it's really, uh, it's such a facade. There's so many, um, people I've worked with, you know, for four decades and, and they're just, the the fake smiles when they uh, you see either your myself or some of their other my peers and you're like you, and then that person walks twenty feet away and then they're already verbally stabbing them in the back. Is it, it is it competition it, for the jobs that's created that? Yes. Was it always that way? Yes, but it was much more camouflaged back in the day. Uh, it was much more secretively, uh, you know, it, the, the backstabbing and the sabotaging someone's career was kind of done behind closed doors. And, and now it's just done right out on the set and, and you know, it, it, in front of anybody and everybody. And it's really, 
it's gotten more, much more competitive and it's, um, it's really sad. It's, it's really sad to me because I'm, I'm all about praising people and if they're good at doing something and, and you think, Hey, they might be a little bit better than you. You know what? Maybe there's something else you're better than them at doing and, and that'll be your turn. But yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of ugliness, unfortunately. That's sad. You know, movie production tends to like move around or you always hear about, Oh, they're going to build a studio here and there. I've heard something's getting built in Texas. Are you up on that? Oh yeah. Uh, Texas has now passed from my understanding, <clears throat> it passed the biggest tax incentive. They even, it's even bigger, uh, more of a kickback to the producers than, uh, than Atlanta, Georgia have currently has there's, there's more production in Atlanta right now because of the tax incentives. And I think a lot of it might have to do with Taylor Sheraton who has been doing some production here. I worked on a, a series here that he, he produced called bass reeves it, it hasn't come out yet but the, yeah they're building studios and and planning to do a lot of production here in texas because of the tax incentive and and, and producers will do this they'll bounce around i mean this show that i'm doing in albuquerque new mexico called called duster is supposed to be being filmed it's supposed to be taking place in phoenix arizona but uh -huh. because of the tax incentive from from new mexico the producers are shooting it there. So, and that's why every time wherever we're filming, they got to make sure that we don't, and also it's a period piece. It's supposed to be from back in the seventies. So we got all these old cars and they got to swap out the license plates. So they all, it's a, it's an Arizona license plate and not a New Mexico license plate. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it, it, producers will go where they can save the most money. And I think they're going to event once the strikes are over, I think a lot of productions are going to, are going to switch over to Texas. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let me ask you, is this still a thing? Cause I remember back in the day you used to talk about having a service where a stuntman gets contacted by a service or they get their job through a service. Can you explain what that is and if it's still a thing or did cell phones replace it? There was the, the the godfather of them all was called teddy's and teddy's was an answering service for not just stuntmen but for some actors i remember tom Selleck used to be on it burt reynolds was on it um and it was if you had a job the producers just knew well, i don't know what his number is just called teddy's and at two and three four six six two three oh one and they would call and then they would they would call you and say, Hey, I got a producer on the phone that wants to talk to you or a stunt coordinator. And there was a waiting list to get on Teddy's service. Really? So then, because, Oh yeah. And you had to be recommended by somebody. The only reason I got on it was because of Paul Baxley, uh, who was our, my boss on the Dukes of Hazard, And he wanted to be able to get a hold of me. So he called Teddy to say, put Corey Eubanks on your, on your service. And then another one came up called Bills and then Jonies. So there ended up being these three. And yeah, back then you'd hit carry your pager on your belt. Yep. And if you had a work, if they were trying to find you for a work call, you you know, that pager would go off and you'd have to go find out what's called a pay phone. And you'd have to put <laughs> <laughs> at the time, 20 cents, two dimes in the pay phone and call your service. And they would say, so-and-so wants it. And they'd pass you through to them. Really? But now that's all gone away because of the cell phones. It's all done. Wow. It's, it's, yep. It's the, those buildings are now, 
uh, clothes boarded up. They oh, don't. They wow. don't exist. Unreal. Sad. Huh? Yeah, it's sad. We're talking yeah. with Corey Eubanks. We'll be right back here on Guatney Unplugged. And Corey, you're not just a stunt person. You are a writer and director. Can you tell us about some of the movies you've written and made yourself? Oh my gosh, yes. That you know, telling stories and writing stories ha- had always been my passion. I mean, since I was in the first grade, I used to write stories and didn't know that you could make a living at it. And then <clears throat> I was doing a movie when I was stunt doubling Emilio Estevez on a film called Wisdom. Oh yeah. With Demi Moore. That's when I got fired off that show because I was talking to Demi Moore and, Are you and Emilio had Oh yeah, yeah. I got sent home by Emilio because I was he thought I was flirting with Demi Moore. And so what? She was cute. I could have been flirting with her, but I don't remember. But yeah. he had written that screenplay, and we were talking about it one day. And I said, "What kind? How did you know how to write a screenplay?" He goes, "Corey, I just I just copied another script that I had, you know, the format of it, and just did." And so I started writing. And back in 1989, I wrote a, a screenplay for a, a film called Payback, and we it was just a little million dollar straight to video back when we had VHS videotapes. And had so much fun. I actually played the lead in that film as well, along with uh, Michael Ironside. And Scott, I learned so much about how to make a movie from the from the you know pre-production, production, post-production, foreign distribution, domestic distribution. And I thought I got to take that knowledge now and apply it toward another film. So I made another movie. Pretty much brought back almost the same cast. I brought back Michael Ironside. I had. Don Swayze, Patrick Swayze's brother, and Clint Howard, Ron Howard's uh, brother, and dad, his dad, Rance, oh, cool. and made another movie and called Forced to Kill, and that was a lot of fun. And then I wrote a couple of films and directed two. Uh, one was called Bigfoot, The Unforgettable Encounter. I, I wrote and directed that for a company called Republic Pictures, and then did another movie with Joe Piscopo and Dennis Weaver, it was called Two Bits and Pepper, and and just really had a blast doing doing those those films. I gotta ask you, where's the dang Bigfoot suit? <laughs> you know what the the deal that we had with the product with the in North Hollywood and my forgive me, I forget the name of that special effects company, but the deal we had with them was that even though we paid a hundred and forty-seven thousand dollars to have this Bigfoot suit oh, built, there was two of them. Wow. That's cool. There was two. They, at the end of the shoot, got to have it, have it come back. They, they, they had re- reclaimed ownership of it. And what that meant was it stayed with them. And that if we ever wanted to use it again, we could, but we'd have to rent it from, it was a weird deal that we made with them. But, um, it, it actually one of the the heads the head alone of it because it had robotics and the and the eyebrows and the ears and the yeah. lips uh, it, it caught fire one, one time with the uh, with the stunt guy that was wearing it and and that was a whole fiasco that day. Sounds like Michael Jackson making a Pepsi commercial. It, it, yes, kind of had that look to it. Head, we, head on fire. You still got rights to it. Let's go get that suit and make us some TikTok videos. Can you imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, sneaking around in the woods, you know, might, oh, might get shot doing that these days. <laughs> you told me a funny thing one time back when you were directing like your Bigfoot movie and all that, that somehow I think you directed like a 7-Eleven commercial or something, but it was kind of crazy how you got the job. Do you remember Oh this? my gosh. 
Yeah, it was an AMPM commercial. Okay, yeah. It was an AMPM commercial. And I, I forget, the lady producer knew me because I worked with her husband when I was directing some episodic television shows down in San Diego. And I guess they were looking for some you know, new up and coming director for this, this, um, commercial. And I didn't have a directing reel. And so she went and got footage from other directors. <laughs> this, this is how honest and, and transparent. Sure. Yeah. The Hollywood is and, and accumulated all this footage and put it together. And I remember we had to sit in the, in the, in the client's, um, office downtown LA and they wanted to view my my reel, my director's reel. Sure. And I'm like, I didn't, I don't have one. So what are we going to just talk about it? And all of a sudden, she gets up and puts in this cassette. I'm like, <laughs> that's great. And, and there's my name, Corey Corey Michael Eubanks, director. And all of a sudden, I'm watching all of this footage, going, if they ask me about anything. <laughs> I'm not going to have the answer, so I'm going to have to turn and say, I don't know, why don't you ask her? I've never seen this reel before. I was prepared to say that, Scott, but they didn't. They watched the reel. They said, oh, that was very nice. I said, yeah, that, I'm, yeah, I'm glad you liked it. I <laughs> can just imagine the tape going off, and the guy turns and goes, so you're telling me this kid made E.T.? <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. So you've got this big live event coming up. Stunt Stories Live, it's Saturday, July 29th at the Roxy Regional Theater in Clarksville, Tennessee. That's within easy driving distance. It's at 7 p.m. The General Lee is going to be there for taking pictures. Corey, how would someone get tickets to this? 931-645-7699. But I also believe there, you could, you could uh, go to their website. They've got it listed there. I'm sure you're going to talk Transformers, Dukes of Hazard, maybe Cobra, the Stallone movie you yeah. did. Yes, Cobra for sure. You know, I, I just not too long ago got to uh, perform stunts again for Sylvester Stallone after 35 years. That was the first time I had seen him in 35 years on that Tulsa King show. And he recognized you right off the bat. He kept looking at me out of the corner of his eye like, I know you from somewhere. And I pointed right at him because I was in this vehicle that he was supposed to then climb into. And uh, I pointed at him and I said, didn't you do a boxing movie years ago? <laughs> and he goes, oh, Corey, I knew that was you. <laughs> and I got out and I gave him a big hug. And he goes, you're still doing this? I go, oh, I'm still doing this. What about you? <laughs> That's so great. I mean, I mean, he's, yeah. he is one of the best. Of all the stars you work with, who's impressed you the most? Uh, impressed me honestly, and I'm not going to say it just because we're talking about him. But Sylvester Stallone isn't just an actor; he was a, a writer, he was a storyteller, or still is, a phenomenal director. Um, his, his character in, in in Rocky is is iconic. I mean, it's just, and and then the franchises that he's the Rambo's, and you, you know all about the different franchises that he's created. And then oh, yeah. you go look at the this Tulsa King and you're like, that is so him. He is so freaking entertaining. He's funny. I mean, I, the longevity that this man has had and the way he treats people on the set is, is to, you would be blown away with the respect that he has for every crew member, every human being, him and Mark Wahlberg. 
I, I am blown away by Mark Wahlberg. That man is a workaholic and just as genuine and down to earth as any human being you'll ever meet and respectful to everybody and just an incredible man. He's a Chevrolet guy too. I think he has a Chevy dealership up there somewhere. Oh, Mark, oh does he, he really? Yeah, oh yeah. There's a Mark Wahlberg Chevrolet. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. He's got a lot of different businesses, but yeah, he's, uh, he's incredible. He's, he's a, a great human being. And I've done three movies with him and we, we, he had a football Scott that if you, if I got a couple more minutes or sure. you, yeah, let's, let's, hear it. No, let's hear it. He had, he has a football that he would carry with him all over the world. And, and, and I say that when we were in London doing transformers on set, we'd throw the football back and forth and, and he could throw a football. He did a football movie, didn't he? I think he did. Yeah. He could throw a football really, really far. And so we would play catch and we were in Chicago on a bridge on transformers three or four. And I'm throwing, he's throwing the football and he throws it over my head and I can't catch it. And it bounces and goes off the bridge down into the, the, the river. And I'm like, oh. oh my God. And so he had to send some of his assistants to go and they got, had to get a boat and they had to go and got, got the, <laughs> so I was working with him just a couple months ago on a film in Atlanta. We were filming nights and I saw him and he's like, Hey, Corey, buddy. And, I, and I go, I go, Hey, you still got your football? And he goes, no, you lost it. And we were in Chicago. I go, uh, no, Mark, remember your, your assistant guy brought it back and he goes, Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. I lost it. I'm like, okay. Oh, <laughs> he admitted that he, he actually ended up losing this football, but yeah, what a great guy. Oh, yeah. Guys like that just make the movie business fun. Oh yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and, and talking with us here on Guatney Unplugs. Always great to talk to you. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for having me. I really had a good time. Absolutely. Anybody can go out and see you and meet you in uh, the July 29th at the Roxy Regional Theater in Clarksville, Tennessee at 7 p.m. The General Lee's going to be there. You're going to hear all kinds of stories from the Dukes of Hazard to Transformers, Cobra, all the coolest movies made. Corey Eubanks has worked on them. We'll see you guys next week on Guatney Unplugged.